We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 31 of Moose and Runes. Joined now by Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Matt. We're going to talk some sports today, but none of it's going to be too good. I mean, there'll be some bright spots, but uh, definitely a downturn here in terms of football in our lives personally. Uh, So let's kick things off on a positive note here, Matt. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, Joe, I I got off the the lock of the week, schneid, whatever you want to call it. I finally broke that streak. The Chargers not only covered for me in that pick they 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 won huge. So that was nice for me. Uh, Very nice. Played. Michigan State also in a route over Rutgers, not to rain on your parade, but no, I, I'm, hey, I'm ha- the, but I hold the one uh, the one game lead going into championship weekend. Oh, so that we're we're not continuing with the NFL. No, we'll continue. We'll continue okay. through bowl season, but we'll have to figure out the the format there because it could come down to those few games. But maybe we'll go. Uh, maybe maybe what we do is we go with we pick the New Year's six and then the playoff. Though we can we do can, all the, the bigger games and then the playoff. We'll do we'll do the playoff and the New Year's six. But this weekend, I'm requiring, I probably should have told you this earlier, but I'm requiring that lock that we come from one of the championship games. Since when do you get to make the rules? I was on a roll with the NFL. I had just won one in a row. Matt, I, I don't know I don't know how well you know me by now, but you know the rules are always changing when I'm in the game. That's true. So back to Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was good. I played in a turkey bowl, was sore for the next couple days. Gorgeous. Um, other than I, I ate a lot of food, still kind of full from it. Um Nice to see the family. Uh, spent some some quality time with my niece for a couple of days there. How about, how about yourself, Joe? How was how was, was Thanksgiving nice. in Lincoln? It was nice. Uh, a little broken up. Uh, we were we were on call here, waiting for a, a head coach firing at all times. We didn't know if it was going to come prior to the game, the announcement after the game, this, that, and the other. Um, so we were kind of on high alert a little bit throughout the Thanksgiving season there, but. Uh, it was it was good. Spent some time uh, with the girlfriend here, with her side of the family. Going to get back for Christmas. Um, so all things considered, just kind of stuffed our faces and uh, relaxed a little bit. Watched three garbage football games and uh, and called it a day. Hey, but, what was um, wrong? What, why is everybody ripping on that first football game, the Lions Vikings one? That one. Was I think it was, solid. Uh, it was it was a solid game, but like I was barely up. I was getting up during Fair the enough. first half, and then like. Wasn't really locked in until like the fourth quarter. Okay, well that makes. But I, people keep ripping, saying there were three garbage football games. That one was pretty yeah. good. I think the late game just kind of left everyone befuddled and feeling like they should have been watching. Like there, there was Vegas something about it. Or there something, was something else that was about it that I still enjoyed and loved watching it. I don't really know what it was. It's because you're, you're a masochist, Matt. You, I, you just wish you just wish ill upon yourself. I just love football. Yeah, it could be that. But uh, we're, we're going to kick things off because the football was so uh, was so rough on us, at least from rooting standpoints. Um, let's just jump. Let's dive right into the Hawks. They're, they're, let's do they've it. Won, they've won four of their last five. Matt, we need a little insight. Uh, 11 bowls in the last two games, mind you, against two bottom feeder teams in the NHL right now. But um, they're back inside the playoff picture. And uh, I think last night was a night where – it was a name moment, a Debrinkit moment last night with the hat trick, kind of putting him on the scene with, uh, with I guess, the more casual fan a little bit. Yeah, so he, I think that I heard last night he is the second youngest Blackhawk now to ever record a hat trick. I think by four mm-hmm. days, Jeremy Roenick, I think it was, who beat him. Um, but 
I think what's what's cool for me at least I was I think I was texting with my brother about this, but Joel Quenville clearly trusts him so much now as a, as a young nineteen year old. People want to rip on Q for not trusting the young guys, never giving him a chance. But basically, mm-hmm. in the admire this this slump that so many of these Hawks forwards are in. Q basically just put DeBrinket with his two coldest players and Patrick Sharp, who hadn't recorded a point in 15 games, and then Ryan Hartman, who I think after five points in the first game only has five the rest of the season. Q put DeBrinket with his two coldest players and basically said, hey, let, let's get these two going. And mm-hmm. last night, I think Hartman registered two or three assists. I know Sharp had a goal and I think another assist too, and then obviously DeBrinket had the hat trick. So I think that, that for me has been the most exciting part of this is we've been waiting for for the next like new wave of core guys to show up, I think for the last three, four years now. And I think we're starting to see that with guys like Alex Dabrinkit and Nick Schmaltz as well, at least on the forward side of things. Yeah. So a little bit of the young talent injecting something into the, into the lineup, into the offense, um, wherever they can find their niche and start pitching in. Because when you have top end guys where I know sharps a little long in the tooth, but older guys that, that are slumping, and when you're older, you can tend to stay in those slumps. Mm-hmm. It's good, like you said, to see Q mixing and matching and trying to get everyone uh, get everyone going again. Yeah, and I know the Hawks had this slower start to the season and all that, but they were basically mm-hmm. a 500 team before this streak went. Uh, what you said, four out of five, I think. Now they won. One yeah. of those was a, a loss in overtime to the best team in hockey on the road, um, but. Before this slump, it was that first line. Jonathan Taves, Brandon Saad, and Richard Ponick were doing basically next to nothing. They had, I think, six or seven forwards who had scored, like, no goals in the last 10 games, something like that. So they were slumping, mm-hmm. but they were still playing 500 hockey with many of their best players doing nothing in regards to the score sheet. So that's for me, was was an encouraging part of things. And, and as well, like, I, I think I talked about this last week, but last year when they, you know, won the division, had 100-whatever points, and then got swept in the first round, they, they were really not controlling the puck very much. They were getting outshot a lot of the times, and they were just kind of taking advantage, being opportunistic, and then Corey mm-hmm. Crawford was playing off his head. And Corey Crawford's still playing out of his mind this year. I think he's, at least in my opinion, the, the front runner for the Vezina Trophy this year. But the Hawks aren't getting outshot a ton this year the, the shot totals are much closer the possession numbers are more in their favor and they just look they don't look out of place there were a couple yeah. times last year playing teams like tampa the younger faster guys on the road especially where they didn't look like they belonged on the same ice i watched that game wednesday night they belonged with tampa yeah just just looking at it they're only they're giving up 2.6 goals per game that's fourth best in the league and i don't know if if for me that that's a great i mean that's obviously a good thing but it also, I don't know, I guess it doesn't translate to the record, which makes me worry about the offense and and the pace at which they're scoring. That's fair. And you know what? If, if Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad, Richard Panic, Patrick Sharp, Ryan Hartman are all having season-wide slumps, then mm-hmm. then you're absolutely right. There is something to worry about, and they're not probably not going to make the playoffs if that happens. I'm just, I guess I'm banking on those guys. I don't think Jonathan Taves is ever going to be the Jonathan Taves that won the Conn Smythe in 2010 again, but I yeah. still think he's a, a very, very good hockey player and elite center in the NHL. I think Brandon Saad's still a, a very good goal scorer. I don't think his slump's going to last. So I think you're going to see these guys kind of come back to the mean here. Water tends to find its level. So I, I think they'll be okay in that scoring regard. Patrick Kane, Artem Anisimov are doing, you know, picking up where they left off last year. Nick Schmaltz has filled that Artemi Panarin role on the left wing there the last few games. So I, I think that second line is going to be just fine as well. But I also think yeah. they're going to go out and add some help because they have yeah. that cap room. 
that has been what, what, what you've been saying with that cap space, what, what piece they're going to go get. And, you know, we were bouncing around a couple names. But w- when we go back to Crawford here, looking at it, he is second in save percentage right now, just a couple hundredths of a point behind uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. So um, that goaltending can, can really stretch you, can really get you where you need to go, especially if things aren't going well or if you're not playing the best offensively. Goaltending is going to be that great regulator that great um, common denominator that every team in the playoffs, not in the playoffs, but every team, maybe let's call it in the conference finals, you're looking at usually the top four goaltenders in the yeah. league. That's usually how things shake down. It's like power pitching in baseball. If you have the power pitching, if you have the two, three, four top end starters, or if you have that one great goalie and a, and a serviceable backup, you're in good shape. Yeah, you've, you've seen in the past that it's, you've mentioned pitching. It's, it's a little bit like when you have that ace like the Giants have had in Madison Bumgarner, we, we've seen it in hockey series in the past. When you have that elite goalie who's who's in a zone, he can win you playoff series, mm-hmm. not just games. Mm-hmm. He can win you series. And the Hawks and have that in Corey Crawford. Matt, before we move on here off of hockey a little bit, um, we're about a half, not a half, pardon me, we're about a quarter of the way through the, through the season here in the NHL. Very important next, let's call it 25 games coming up, kind of this second mm-hmm. chunk of games. What are you looking for in the Hawks in this next 25 or prior to the All-Star break? What do you want to see from this team? I, I guess I just want to see consistency. I don't think that they're going to put up you know, seven goals a game, four goals a game here, whatever they've, they've done the last two. But I would like to see those younger guys in Dabrinkit and Schmaltz and, and Forsling continue to progress. I'd like to, to see these... I'd like to see these defense, defensive pairings and these lines stick for a little bit as well. Uh, I know mm-hmm. the the tendency for Q is to go to the line blender um, mm-hmm. when when things tend to go wrong. So I'm hoping that things at least go well enough where he doesn't really feel the need to jumble too much and just just consistency. Corey Crawford doing what he's been doing. These young guys continue to take steps and that hopefully Jonathan Taves, Richard Panic, uh, Brandon Sod's line continues to improve a little bit. I know they had a, a great game against Florida. I think they were pretty good again last night, so that they continue to progress as well. So things looking up for the Hawks, I believe they're sitting at sixth in the conference right now. They're, top um, of the, they're first in the wild card, I believe. So that's first nice in, as well. They're, first they're the in the top wild, wild card, card spot. And uh, the, that division just continues to be murderer's row. It yeah. seems like everybody in the division on any given night looks like like a top-tier contender. So I, I think um, at least this year it's, it might be the best division in hockey. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, I think we, we just need to take a deep breath right now. We need to prepare ourselves. I'm going to try. Is it, to can't we like, can't we talk about like the bulls or something next? I, I honestly have nothing to say about the bulls, but, uh, it's better we than what we got to talk about here. We can, if you want, but, no, uh, we gotta uh, do it eventually. Let's just let's take a, get it over take with. a deep breath. Let's center ourselves. Uh, the bears lose again. Um, it, it was probably the worst one of the season. Against the best team in the league, our uh, our far cry of a prediction, this being the game that they would somehow win and it wouldn't make sense, didn't come to fruition. Uh, Not even a little looked, bit. Everything looked bad. The play calling looked bad. The defense didn't look great. Trubisky looked bad. The run game was anemic. I don't really have a positive to take out of this game. Stop me if you do. Hey, so I, I, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, on Bears post-game live Sunday night, or Sunday after mm-hmm. the game, the, the, the crew gives out the game balls. Mm-hmm. Lance Briggs gave it to the long snapper. So let's give some credit there. It, okay. it, the, the, the snaps, the long snaps were perfect. Um, there point. wasn't a bad one all game. So let's let's that was a positive for me, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So other than that, that, right, that, yeah, that was perfect. that was talking bears positives. 
Very nice. Those are the Bears positives. Well, let's talk a little Bears football now. Let's get realistic about it. I was looking at it. The Bears are now 12-31 and 31 under John Fox. I just covered a coach firing, and I understand all of what goes into it off the field in terms of people's families, in terms of livelihoods. John Fox needs to go. There's, that, there's no the, reason to keep him here because he's not going to be here at the end of the year. 31. There is, there makes no sense. He's it, this last week leads me to believe that he's starting to lose this locker room too. I, it, I, it, I, it doesn't look like a cohesive unit anymore. It doesn't look like a team anymore. And the one thing that you cannot have with a rookie quarterback is regression. Everybody reg- regressed last week. And I don't care if you're a bottom half team in the NFL playing the best team in the NFL. You have to be competitive. It's the NFL. The margin for error is extremely small, and the margin between these teams is very small. That's why you see on any given Sunday somebody beating someone else and asking, how did that happen? Because it's not the Big Ten. It's not Rutgers versus Ohio State. It's the Bears versus the Eagles, and we're all professionals here. The Bears are starting to regress and no longer look like professionals. I, I, mean, I totally agree with you, and I guess I will take one minor positive, I guess, out of it last night. Early on in the game last week, I thought when the offense was absolutely anemic, couldn't move the ball in the slightest early on, mm-hmm. I didn't think the defense competed, uh, or, or at least, you know, first half, whatever. They, they were given some awful short fields to work with. They competed. They flew around. They were shorthanded. So I'll give them a little bit of credit there. But you hit it right on the head with the regression of Mitch Trubisky. That was after coming off arguably the best game we'd seen from at least one of them in that Detroit game. I thought he did a lot of good things. He led that drive, which gave him the opportunity to tie up the ball game. Obviously, mm-hmm. didn't. But we just we saw hopeless offense. We we saw mm-hmm. awful play calling again. And then later on, when they got down, it was hey, let's have Mitch throw the ball downfield. Now Philly's expecting it, so they're going to be able to sit and wait on it. They're not putting their offense and their quarterback in in good places to succeed. And that's, you don't, so if yeah. you're not going to fire John Fox, which I don't think they are because the Bears have literally never done that to a coach midseason and in their I'm not saying that's right. I think they should, but they're not I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to. At least give somebody let let's let's cut ties with Dowell Loggins. He's not gonna be back next year. Let's give somebody else a chance to call plays, whether that's Dave Ragone, who's their quarterback's coach, or anybody else on the staff. I don't care. Let's let's give somebody else a chance to do it because this is not helping Mitch. He's he's regressing. Yeah. I, I honestly think that the bigger issue between Loggins and Fox, now I believe they need a clean house, but I do too. Dow Loggins' play calling right now is terrible. You're not putting a, anyone in the position to succeed. Not your tailbacks, not your quarterback, not your excuses for wide receivers. No one's going to succeed on a run-run-pass basis. You don't have to be a defensive coordinator to figure out the pattern of run-run-pass. 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 It's not hard to figure out. Third and short, you need to mix it up too. Three times on Sunday, third down and one, they went into an I formation, Philly packed eight or nine in the box, and Mitch Trubisky didn't have the opportunity to audible out. They still haven't given him the green light to audible out of a bad look. They ran into a nine-man box ISO three times and didn't get it once. I mean, Things it, need to change. That's it, not, just, I, I, you're I'm not really, going to succeed that way. I'm glad you brought that up because I get you know having some limits on when the rookie quarterback can, can check in and out of things. But, Joe, I, I've never really played quarterback in my life. I can walk up to the line of scrimmage on third and 1C9 in the box and say, oh, man, maybe we should change here. Maybe we should audible to a play action, something like that. That's not like 
advanced audibling Tom Brady. Like, we only let Tom Brady do this. That That's QB 101. That stuff he's probably been doing since high school and college been allowed to do. And I know pro defense are, are obviously much more complicated than that. But it's not that complicated when you walk up there and see eight or nine in the box on third and one. And you're the Bears who just who have been running in that situation all year. You know what's coming. Yeah. Give this kid a chance. It's not good. And I know last year, I mean, we talked about it, whether on the pod or off the pod or wherever. It, my Bears fandom regressed into apathy last year, and I really didn't care what was happening. For some reason this year, I do care because I don't know if it's, we saw I, more potential. I think it's because we see the potential with this team. I, I yeah. really do. But, but again, last week, I was a little bit apathetic. And the way it occurred was, was so poetic. I, so I'm watching the game. They're making me sick. They're getting their butt beat. I go out and run to the grocery store across the street real quick and come back. It's commercial break. They come back from commercial break and they say, uh, the Bears are being beat 24-3 to or whatever the score was at the time. Uh, we're going to take you to a more competitive matchup. The Fox broke out of the Bears game because they were losing so bad and it was so unentertaining. And I just kind of had an internal moment where I laughed to myself and then I just watched the end of the Panthers game. Yeah. It was... It needed to happen, and I'm glad I didn't have to make the decision. Fox made it for me. It was terrible. I just, uh, I, I'm with you. There was, there was. They so were doing much. the electric slide, Matt. See, that, when your opponent is doing the electric slide, you have not done enough. Hey, let me, let me ask you. You have not done enough to continue to make the game competitive. I'm totally with you. But there were doing people. Doing the electric slide. There was, there were people. I was saying writers, tweets, all this stuff. Like people up in arms saying the Bears should no. be furious. Like who? No. Like, what, what? The Bears should be furious about the way they played. Well, not that, about someone doing an electric that's, slide. That's what I was going to bring up. Like Kyle Long was asked about that in the uh, in his post game sound, and basically said like they knew whatever the hell they want over there. They you know they killed us. Like they they absolutely beat us up and down. I'm worried about how we got beat on the field. I don't care if they're dancing or whatever on the sidelines. Like that that's what they do. That's fine. Like that's. I don't get why people were so up in arms about it. They're winning 31-3 to and held the Bears to, what, like negative rushing yards in the first half in the first three quarters? It's the same idea of if you don't want me to dance, keep me out of the end zone. If you yeah. don't want me to dance, don't let me get up by 30. That's that. I think that should also be applicable to the rule. rule. I agree. The Eagles have been doing celebrations like that all year. It's not just like it happened here. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned Kyle Long in this situation. Is it time to see what we can get for Kyle Long? Because he's not very good. I don't. I mean, I know he's I the don't know of how, Chicago. I don't know how healthy or unhealthy he is. Yeah, but that that's part of the that, problem. That's part of it. He's been unhealthy for the last four years. I don't know what – I mean, I don't think that's – like you say what you can get for him. The NFL, or let it, it's not or like say thanks for, thanks for playing. I don't you know? think it's that time yet. I'm not sure when his guaranteed money runs up. But if, if he's still on the hook for some salary, whatever, I'm still in that, favor of – he's not – uh, I still I've seen so many good things from him throughout the years. I know this year hasn't been great. He's also been fine at times. I, I still think there's something there. I just want to see if we can get him all healthy, and if you know if next year he's yeah. still having, you know, 17 different issues, then maybe it's time. But I, I still think you're in a rebuilding mode that he, he's shown enough over the years. He's been to the Pro Bowl enough times where I think I'm still holding on to him and trying to see that he can refine what he used to be when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I, I think if you asked one thing that I took away from the game, and it wasn't Bears related, Carson Wentz is the real freaking he, deal. He is a football player. That, that, that is, this you watch guy, that game, this and that's guy, the man, one thing I this took This guy right here, this guy, he's a film junkie, man. He's a football player. 
Okay. He makes fun of me all you okay. want for that. The, the, if you watch that, you watch Carson Wentz play football. You watch that game. Like he, his stats were fine. They weren't. You know, he threw for two hundred some yards. But the way he, he moves, yes, the way the he way, steps up in the pocket, the way every pass is delivered on his front foot. He's finishing that's what I'm on saying. his front foot. He's that. In- that uh, the screenplay that he dumped out of, that he knew the backside was going to collapse because all the blockers were to the left side, tucked it and take, took it for like a 15-yard gain in a, on a third down and long. It mm-hmm. was, he's just, he's got every single tool you want in a quarterback. And I guess I didn't realize it. Like, I know I'd heard it in the past. I never really was, actually watched Carson Wentz for a game. No, I was just saying, I, I knew that, I, I knew where the hype level was this uh-huh. season and, and last year, but... He's six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds. Didn't That's realize that I either. Realize so somebody, somebody, somebody said that. I think freak. Sunday thought the same thing. That's he's a freak, and he, he can move. Like he's not, he's never going to win. You know, a lot of foot races, but he's mobile in the pocket, and he's fast enough where he can absolutely take advantage of you. Forget if you forget about him back there. Yeah. So Carson Wentz just really, I think he's a guy that we're going to be watching for the next decade, and that's good for the league. Because is, is he your NFL you MVP the, this year? Um, I think it's a little early to crown, but right now I'd say he's the front runner, right? I, I, I don't. Who else comes to mind as someone who's just dominating on a week to week basis? Well, there's one guy. He he wins it just about every year, or should uh, over yeah. in New England. But I, for, I don't know how, but they're so under the radar right now. I think it's because they they played in Mexico the one week, and then they played the Dolphins last week. Like it was, they're I, just kind of going about their well, business. Because they they had that hype, like everybody was saying, sixteen and zero at the early there. I honestly think that slow start took people away from them a little bit, and people mm-hmm. just kind of assumed like, oh, whatever, don't worry about them. And now they're back to being like the team that looks like they could go sixteen and zero, or could have gone sixteen and zero. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no doubt the Patriots are going to be there at the end. No doubt Tom's name is going to be in the MVP hat. But Carson Wentz, um, what, you, that's the perfect that's the perfect way to look at it. It's it's the changing of the guard. Tom Brady can only play so much more football. Uh, ben Roethlisberger can only play so much football. Joe Flacco, all these quarterbacks that are getting to the twilight years of their career. I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's good to have your Dak Prescotts. It's good to be able to label a Carson Wentz. It's good yeah. to know these guys that are coming up, not in year one, but maybe year two, year three, year four, where you're actually seeing a body of work starting to build. Yeah, and I think uh, that's a lot of these quarterbacks not you know necessarily lighting the world on fire in their rookie year and kind of taking those steps years two, three, and four is, I guess, encouraging for us with, uh, with, with Mitch here. Matt, can we just not talk? We were done with the Bears. Can we not talk I about the Bears? I can't not talk about them, Joe. They just, I, I want them to be good again. Yeah. Also, I want, want them to. I want to bring up this stat that I saw on Twitter about with regards to firing the head coach in season. Okay. Okay. The last eight NFL teams to fire their head coach before the end of the season either have been in the playoffs or currently headed to the playoffs this year under their next head coach. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's all about hiring the right guy, getting it the is. right pieces in place after. But The Bears are also the type of franchise that I don't think are starting looking for their head coach until they've fired the most you know, recent yeah. one because they you know, do everything you, the right way and all that kind of thing. I could give thing. you the perfect reason to fire John Fox. A December loss to the 49ers. To Jimmy Garoppolo's 49ers. To Jimmy G and the 49ers. To the hometown kid. You'd have thought a 31-3 embarrassment on the road might have been one, but... Uh, no. Apparently not. They even had no, They even had more time when the plane broke down. They they could have left him in Philly. Matt, let's talk some college football. Fine. Um, I know it's not good here for us either in terms of a rooting interest. I want to get your take on it. We'll we'll hit a little Notre Dame quick, but then plenty of other 
uh, plenty else to talk about when it comes to college football right now. A lot of moving, a lot of shaking, a lot of shifting. Um, but but in terms of Notre Dame, you texted me just distraught. On, Joe, I, I'm where uh, you Friday, were on with Saturday. I'm where you were with the Bears. I have Notre Dame apathy. I just you shouldn't, Matt. They have I, nine freaking wins. Great. I have Notre Dame. Apathy. You know who had nine wins? Nebraska who? under Bo Pelini for six straight seasons, that's, and they would they would pay their left leg right now to have that. That's be the very problem. nice. They have nine wins be the problem, Joe. That's very nice, and I want to get to the point where nine wins is the problem again, not something we're celebrating. Nine they're wins not, isn't, but they're not far off, man. I, I I really think they are. This is what they've done pretty much every year. They 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 get your hype hopes up, and then down the stretch they crumble. It's not down the stretch. It's it, what, this isn't down the stretch. Up. Three it's, of their last four no, games. No, no, no. no. It's down not the stretch. down the stretch. They don't show up in big time games. It doesn't matter where the big time games are. Uh, see, I'm disagreeing with that. They showed up. They Georgia. showed up in big time game at home against USC. They lost to Georgia by one point at home, even though they didn't play that USC's, great. USC's overinflated. Georgia, they played good. So you think it's more of? I think, think it's, it's more of a they lose interest in the latter end of the season. I don't do know if it's losing interest in the latter end of the season. I don't know if they're not conditioned the right way. I don't know if they get a little bit panicky when they see, hey, we're actually pretty good. We might, you know, win I this think, thing. I, think I don't you know get a what little it is. panicky, man. I, think I you get, get panicky, a little panicky. Yeah, because I was because the one who played. I was the one who was short hopping swing routes in Miami. Does the quarter? What is Brandon Wimbush the answer? No, I don't think. I so. think Brandon Wimbush is a very nice. He might be a very nice receiver running back next year who might give you a throwing threat from the outside, but I don't think he's your answer quarterback. I don't think so either. Notre Dame will always be able to recruit quarterbacks. You'll always be able to find that guy. It's getting him prepared. And, yes, that does fall on the head coach. That does fall on Brian Kelly. But, Matt, if you get your wish and Brian Kelly's out at Notre Dame, do you want to be on this coaching carousel? First of all, I don't think I'm getting – I don't think he's out. He's not going to be fired after this year unless they get embarrassed. Do you want to be in the situation that – all of these schools are in right now trying to pick the right guy amongst a group of middle-level coaches, a bunch of losers, essentially. I don't know if this is the year to do it. I mean, if there's not a guy that they know they can go out and get that they want, no, I think you can do much worse than Brian Kelly. I think that's obvious. But at the same time, I think Brian Kelly has been a very good A to B coach. He has gotten Notre Dame from irrelevancy, where it was with Charlie Weiss, back to the national spotlight. I just don't think he's the guy to get them there. And if you're not well, getting don't to the grow point, Nick Saban's on trees. That's, so that's I don't fair. know. I don't know what your solution is here. I don't know either, but I, I I don't think he's the guy who's going to win you a national championship. I just don't. And if he if if he is a he's fine for where they are right now or where they were, but I, I think if you want to get to that next level, then I think you're going to have to go out and try and find somebody to do that. I, I did, I'm not saying it's going to be Nick Saban. I don't know who it is. But I, I think if you want to win that national championship, if you want to get to the playoff, I don't think Brian Kelly's the guy to get you there because he's had chances in the past, and every time he's had this chance, he's failed miserably. Yeah. It, it's, miserably not tra- it's not a great It's not a great track record in top 25 matchups. It's not a great track record down the stretch, as you said. But I, I don't think the grass is greener. I think the grass is greener if you water it, and they need to figure out how they can be better with the people they have right now because – hiring a coach in 2017 is not what you want to be doing. Fair enough. I, we're, we're Again, I like I said, you can do worse than him, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't think he's the guy to get them where they want to go. Uh, I hear you, Matt. And, um, you know, even if you had the guy, even if you got a Nick Saban, Bama goes down at the hands of a solid Auburn team. How that, fun. Did you get to watch that game? I did. It was a good game. How it fun was, was classic, that game? It was a classic Iron Bowl. Um, 
it, it wasn't um, the heart-pounding finish that maybe we've gotten in years past. It wasn't like a field goal return for a touchdown type exciting, but it was a great football game. It was great SEC football. And it leads me to my next question for you, Matt. Sure. Is there any situation where Alabama should be in the playoff? I, I'm having trouble finding one. Personally, I don't see it. I mean, it, it, if Auburn goes ahead, no, because if Auburn wins, they've got to be in. If Georgia wins, they've got to be in. So I think that, that winner is in no matter what. And I don't think that the committee is going to put two SEC teams in yeah, there. Yeah, you got I an really SEC don't. winner. you got an ACC winner. You I think it. Clemson's playing as good a football as they have all year. I think they're going to beat Miami pretty good mm-hmm. if Wisconsin and, wins they're in. Um, I, I guess the debate you can you can have is if Ohio State beats Wisconsin in a not very convincing effort, you know, a, a sloppy 17-14 type football game, you mm-hmm. might be able to have that argument. But, I mean, this is what Alabama – I mean, it's not it, – it's, it's similar to what, you know, Wisconsin's done, getting not much respect as an undefeated team. But Alabama – hadn't played anybody and I guess it's not their fault the conference was down this year but their non-conference wasn't that great with the exception I mean they, they tried with Florida State but Florida State ended up not being a very great football team uh, yeah. they, they, just, they really haven't beaten anybody yeah it's, uh, I think it'd be it's better for the playoff if Alabama was in because I do think they're a top four team in the country but they haven't they don't have the resume to deserve to be in there right now, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not a uh, you know, it's not a Madden rating. You got to look at your you got to look at your body of work, who you've beat, um, and, and I don't think Alabama has it this year. Maybe it'll be a little refreshing to have a college football playoff without Bama in it. On the other side, how good does Auburn look right now? I know they suffered those those early season loss that to tight one to Clemson. I think it was fourteen six. They mm-hmm. had that collapse against LSU, but they look like as impressive of a football team right now as there is in the country. Yeah, Auburn looks great, and they've they've found a way to just kind of, I don't know, another team that's waited in the wings. I know we're not as in tune to the SEC um, day-to-day, you know, happenings as we are maybe as to the Big Ten happenings. But, um, yeah, just a team that's gotten better, kind of the the inverse of what Notre Dame's done and gotten better as the season has gone on. Yeah, and I think it, the the emergence of Carryon Johnson there, that running back, I think he's now up to like 120 yards a game rushing. I think he's putting himself with, the, with his two performances against Georgia and Alabama right in the Heisman race. Not going to win it, but he'll probably get an invite to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he's he got hurt there at the end of that game, it, that weird play where he just kind of fall down and kind of gave himself up, If he if he's in trouble... Auburn might be in a little bit of trouble this weekend, but if he's healthy and that team's healthy, I, they should be, I think, the odds-on favorite to win the national championship. Yeah. Which well, would be Matt, weird as a two-loss team. That'll uh, be fun to watch, no doubt. One of my favorite football weekends coming up uh, this weekend with conference championships. Uh, should be some good matchups in right. there, and we are going to pick from that lot okay. in our lock of the weeks. Oh, you got to okay. go first. You got to go yeah, first. I, okay. Well, we talked uh, – we talked uh, a little bit of Wisconsin, Ohio State there. We mentioned them at least. I'm taking the Buckeyes laying seven. Ooh. I honestly think that Wisconsin's a good team. I think that Ohio State's an angry team, and I think they have a lot to play for still. Uh, and, and just history tells the story a lot of times. I, I think that Wisconsin in these big games does struggle. And with uh, with an offensive attack that relies so much on the run, you can get down two scores. So Ohio State could hit you quick. And uh, I think that's gonna that's that's what's gonna happen. I think that Ohio State's gonna play from in front all game and uh, and take care of Wisconsin. I, I'm I'm bouncing back between a couple games here. I'm not really. Mm-hmm. I've 
part of me wants to go with Auburn, but I have made I've made a lot of picks pro Georgia this year, so I don't want to go against the team that's helped me out. I think I'm going to go. It's a lot of points, but I'm going to go Clemson laying nine and a half against Miami. Okay. I just uh, from what I I don't know if it was Miami overlooking Pitt or but they look just pretty awful in that game, and Clemson is playing as good a football, like I said, as anybody in the country right now. They they look fantastic. They absolutely blew out their rival in South Carolina. I think they're I think they're playing some really good football and I think they're going to win that game by a couple scores. So I'm gonna go with so you're you're calling for some for some rust on the turnover chain. Some, uh, some I I think it's gonna start rusting over just a little bit. A little bit of rust on the turnover chain. Alright, so you got uh you got um, Clemson in the ACC title game, and I am taking Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Should be a fun weekend of football. Uh, Matt, before we move on here, you got anything else in terms of in terms of college football? Well, Joe, I, I you covered a pretty interesting story. Uh, yeah, th- this last was, weekend, uh, and I, I it think was a, I want you, I want you to tell us what that was like because I think all every it was tired. Stuff season, all you know, <laughs> head coach getting fired. We know it's going to happen, all that, but no one really knows other than the people who are actually there, what it's like to kind of be on call, be behind yeah. the scenes, be at Memorial Stadium for 24 straight hours, whatever the hell it was, waiting for people to come out. So why don't you, why don't you give us a little bit of an insight as to yeah, what that was like. Yeah, I mean, like. just in terms of a timeline, Ohio State, pardon me, um, Nebraska just gets tanned on Black Friday by Iowa. Hey, they were tied at um, halftime. They were tied at halftime 14-14, and they just didn't come out in the second half. On senior day, in front of 90,000, it was... It was a low point. It was a sad moment for all of these fans to see the season end that way because that's kind of just what the season's been this year. It is very, very underwhelming. Um, there was a lot of talent on the football team, and it just didn't seem like it ever came together all at once. And Mike Riley, they had Mike Riley fired week three after an NIU loss, the fan base at least. And uh, the axe came down on Saturday morning. Um, we kind of knew it was going to, so was outside of Memorial Stadium at, at 7 a.m., watched, uh, watched Mike take his last walk into the stadium. Um, obviously, a meeting happened. They called all the players in, so we talked to some players outside of, outside of the stadium, and then uh, they said, press conference at 11.15, Coach Riley's been released um, as head coach. We all got the email. Um, and this is where I think things differ. I think everything prior to the firing is very similar no matter where you go. But yeah. Mike Riley is held in such high regard by the people of Lincoln. Everyone was rooting for him to succeed because of the type of person he is, because of the character he brings to the table every day. There was no tension between him and the media. There was no hatred from the fan base. They, everyone wanted more. They wanted, to see, they wanted to see things happen. But I think there was a common understanding that Mike Riley wasn't going to be the guy to take them there. At least they understood that this year. The guy carried himself with class and respect. He spoke at his own firing, which doesn't happen. You don't uh, usually athletic, see that. The athletic director, the new athletic director, Bill Moose, came out and spoke to the media, obviously gave his whole spiel, 40 minutes. And at the end of it, he says, uh, you know, you're going to get a chance to talk to Mike here in a few minutes. He's going to take the podium for, take three or four questions. He took probably 25 questions. He was at the podium for about 45 minutes himself. Um, after Three hours after being fired, to have the grace to be up there, the poise to be up there. He obviously looked like, you know, a man dejected, but yeah. handled himself with the same level of class that he has been in in my entire tenure here. And then this is a, we're talking about a press pool of a room of about 150 people. He walked around and shook every single person's hand and thanked them for their hard work. So just 
that's where I think this was a different experience than a normal coach mm-hmm. firing. Usually it's a little bit more rip off the band-aid than that. So uh, it was definitely a, an action-packed uh, 48 hours in Lincoln for, for all of the wrong reasons. But um, it, it was a lot of hard work. And I know no one put in more hard work than Mike Riley. So, you know, wishing him the best in, in moving forward. Uh, you know, he, they, he was asked what, what the future holds for him because there are a lot of openings. He said, you know, I feel young, I feel ready to coach, but right now I want to focus on being a grandpa. So I think he's heading back to the Northwest and be with his family in Oregon and mm-hmm. uh, enjoy the holiday season. But um, yeah, just a little little bit of background on what it's like uh, to cover, cover the axing of a head coach. And I think it was very, very different than any other firing that you'll ever cover. Well, certainly, you know, hope best for him. And I do think if he wants it, there will be another job mm-hmm. for him somewhere. Probably not ever one as you know, prestigious as Nebraska, but uh, certainly maybe one closer to home for him a little bit more in the Northwest, maybe a, a lower end type school there picks him up because I think he's still got a lot to offer to schools like that. Yeah, great guy. And he, he'll he make the people around him better. He might not make them better football players, but I know that there are uh, – a lot of young men that uh, lives were changed here at Nebraska because of Mike Riley off the field. And uh, he's a great man for that. And now we're on Scott Frost watch. Oh, that's, that was going to be my next question. That's Joe. The there's there's yeah. the, the elephant in the room keeps getting bigger. Florida's made their hire. UCLA's made their hire. Nebraska's kind of the, the big fit. The, if you want to call it that the big fish left hanging mm-hmm. out there and Scott Frost is still at UCF. I, I it still doesn't make sense to me. It, it still doesn't make sense why Scott Frost would want to come here, but all of the rumors, the, the entire rumor mill has things uh, turning in that direction because I don't even know. I mean, there's Bill Moose came out, the athletic director, and said he's got a list of six guys and wouldn't commit to any one of them being the priority. He wanted to be respectful of Scott and his team, this, that, and the other, yada, 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 all of the right things you need to say. Did, did he mention things. any other names other than Scott Frost? Uh, he, didn't, he didn't mention anyone directly by name. Okay. Um, but... All the beat writers, everyone's got their idea of who the six are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you got Leach because he's worked with Moose, with the connection um, there. Yeah, with the connection there. Uh, Scott Frost, a um, couple other guys. But if it's not Frost, this fan base um, is going to lose their minds. And right now, it looks like Scott Frost's options are Oregon, Nebraska, or staying at UCF. And I don't think staying at UCF is as big of a far guy as some people think it is. No, I, I mean, UCF's a, a pretty good spot. I think he he's took, built something. They were too. what? They were 0-10, I think, when he took over there. And while he's never going to make a playoff there, I, I think it's it's a good spot for him to continue to win 10-11 mm-hmm. games a year until that – maybe Nebraska is his dream job. Maybe that's the one he really wants. Yeah, and if but it is, go no ahead mistake, and take it. But yeah. if not, stay there, keep winning 9-10-11 games a year, and then take the job yeah. you really want. Yeah, make no mistake, Nebraska is a project right now. Oh, no. And, that, that, and no, matter, no matter who the new head coach is, he's going to have to do some convincing to players to stay here because you got a lot of guys already asking for releases, mm-hmm. a lot of guys exploring their options of going to the league, a lot, not a lot, a few guys exploring their options of going to the league, a few guys exploring their options of transfers. The first thing you need to do, as a, and I'm getting a little, a little on the beat here, but the first thing you need to do is get Keith, get, um, which McCall, um, Keith Williams on the phone, the receivers coach, get him back. Say, say we need you to call all your recruits right now. Say everything's fine. We need you to call all of the wide receivers right now. Say everything's fine because these wideouts where and that's where a lot of the talent is right now here with the JD Stanley, Stanley Morgan Jr. Stanley right? Morgan Jr. Those guys want to go wherever Williams is going because he has he's built them as young men. He's built them as wide receivers, and these guys are his disciples. He's one of the best position coaches in the nation right now he's regarded as he's a guy who's gonna 
you know, have his chance as an OC, have mm-hmm. his chance maybe as a head coach down the road, and they want to go wherever he goes. That's the guy you need to retain. Okay. Well, that, that'll yeah. be, I mean, that'll be interesting definitely to look at because Nebraska is one of those programs that I think, you know, it was refreshing for me as not even a Nebraska fan, just someone who kind of likes tr- the traditional college football powers. You mm-hmm. know, Bill Moose talking about, you know, we want to get to the point where eight and four is unacceptable, not four yeah, and eight is unacceptable. Him, get them back to the, the ways of the black trips because that, that's something that's been lost here is the defensive identity was gone this year. There was, and I know they were making the transition to a three, four, but it never stuck. It shouldn't it, be that it, bad. It, it never stuck. Yeah, you can you can understand growing pains, but there was there was pains from start to finish. It was the one. It was the touchdown. I think it was the touchdown run Iowa had to tie it at fourteen. It was like second and goal or whatever from the six, and it looked like mm-hmm. whoever their running back is, I forget his name, but I want to say that was Akram Wadley. Ran, ran ran past what should have been like three or four fairly easy tackles yeah, in the just backfield, tackling. just one quick move, and, and was gone into the end zone. Yep, so a lot of work to be done here in Lincoln, and uh, we will keep you up to date on any hirings. You'll, you'll, you'll hear it here first, Matt. So we're on Frost Watch. We're on, it's, there, there's a Frost Advisory. Okay, I like yeah. that. You, you got agreements for us? Uh, I do. Hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now... You're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Um, so the the Bulls, uh, we talked, I touched on them a little bit, jokingly said I wanted to talk about them, but uh, they're they're in the midst of a, a big you know, big slump here. I think they've lost, whatever, 9 to 10. What, they're, they're, do, they're doing what they should be as a rebuilding team, but... Um, at the time of the NBA draft, I think we talked about this a little bit, and we were at least a little bit upset. The the whole Jordan Bell issue, dumping him for three and a half million dollars or whatever the hell it was. At the time, I got it, uh, or I, I got being upset about. It. I was a little bit upset about it too. But the more the season goes on, the more you know, kind of keep an eye on Jordan Bell. Even watched him a little bit when the Bulls played the Warriors. That's kind of when the storyline came to a head. I think Bulls fans need to take a step back and, and let the outrage over a player averaging three points a game, two rebounds a game, and, and just under a block per game go. He's a he's a bench warmer on a who plays some decent defensive minutes on, on an NBA championship best team in the NBA type team. If he was here, he's a six foot seven power forward who doesn't have a jump shot. Uh, I, I don't think he's. I know he does these. He has these freak athletic plays. He's throwing down some big dunks, and that's all well and good. But that doesn't make you a very good NBA basketball player. And I think the the whole Jordan Bell outrage, love, whatever, just needs to die down a little bit. I'm as anti Gar Packs as you can be, but I don't think that passing up Jordan Bell is going to accelerate, decelerate the rebuild, whatever you want to call it. I think people just need to take a step back here and just let the outrage go. Let him go have some fun in Golden State. I think anybody would have a hard time not looking good coming off the bench for the Golden State Warriors right now with how good that roster is. So let's just take a step back. Let's not be so outraged that the Bulls passed up on the next, you know, Draymond Green in the second round because they didn't. Jordan Bell's never going to be that. He's just, his NBA career is going to be a nice bench player for a very good team. And if he ever gets the chance to be on a great team, he's not going to do anything. So that, that's all I got. Yeah, I think it's also a product of Bulls fans having nowhere to uh, to focus their energy. There's that's not fair. much. There's not much else going on other than outrage. So uh, I think uh, you know you never know what a guy's going to be either. You know they didn't know they didn't know what Michael was going to be until he was Michael. 
you know, I, obviously people have some idea coming out of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's a bad example, but um, Draymond Green yeah, in the second round, guys, okay, like I mentioned, guys get passed on all the time, and uh, seldomly do you see first overall picks pan out to what they're supposed to be anyway. So I think there's just um, a lot that goes into to drafting a player and picking a player and making sure he's the right guy and choosing a Laurie Markkinen and just in terms of scouting and in terms of the draft, there's a lot that goes on and people make their picks for certain reasons. And uh, a lot of times it has, it has not just the bulls, but maybe 10 other teams looking like idiots prior to. So Mm -hmm. I think that's just the way things go sometimes. All right. Want to move on to Um, buyers though? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You want to kick us off. All right, Matt, buy or sell, we're going to get it in here, uh, uh, obviously, just the, the elephant in the room, the topic at hand. Buy or sell, Tiger Woods plays all four rounds at the Hero World Challenge this weekend. Ooh, I think I'm going to buy that. Uh, okay. I, I think he's, he's taken off enough time here. I don't think he's at the point where if he plays bad, he's going to pull himself from it. I think he's kind of set on going through these four rounds, kind of no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to I don't know how good it's going to be. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think it'll probably just be a middle-of-the-road type finish, and I think he will finish all four. What are you most looking forward to out of Tiger? Are you excited? I don't sense I'm just exci- excited. I'm honestly, I just, I, I, like I've told you here uh, a couple times, I just I want to temper my expectations. Mm-hmm. I want Tiger to be back. I just, I've, I've heard this story before. I've seen this movie, and until he actually comes back and starts being a competitive golfer again, it, it's, I'm going to keep my expectations low. Because I, I think the fact that we have to buy or sell, not whether he finishes in the top 10, whether he makes the cut, whether he finishes the tournament, I think that, 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 that what, that's our buy or sell question. I think that speaks volumes about where my Tiger expectations and, and hype should be. Yeah, and I know that's it's kind of my go-to word on the pod here and, and something that we talk a lot about about is expectations, and I think you have to temper your expectations for Tiger. But the one thing that I really enjoy is the excitement that other players on tour have about it. Everybody wants Tiger back out there because he was all these guys' heroes. He's the reason Ricky Fowler picked up a club. He's the reason Patrick Reed picked up a club. He's the reason Dustin Johnson didn't go be an all-state basketball and football player. Like this is He was these guys' inspiration, and to be able to go out there and walk alongside Justin Thomas this Thursday and Friday, that's got to be a thrill for JT as well. You know, mm-hmm. the, the top player in the world right now, not by official golf rankings, but the player of the year last year gets to play with his idol this weekend. That's a cool moment for him as well. Yeah. And I it, it, it's awesome. It's great for the tour that he's back. I'm just, I, I personally, I'm keeping those low until I can see him kind of, I know he's not going to play every tournament. He's not going to be an every weekend kind of guy, Yeah, but until we can consistently see him back finishing tournaments, being competitive, all that, that that's when I'll I, allow myself to, Get hyped up the bottom. Yeah, and I really, uh, you know, it all builds up to the Masters because that means so much to Tiger, and it means so much to golf, and it means so much to us as fans. If he can just get better, get better, and at least have us talking when the Masters come around, not about his back or his injuries or his health, but have us talking about his game, I think that would be really exciting. I agree. Let's move on here, right, Joe. Yeah. You just uh, you, you covered a similar type story here with a with a firing, not quite hiring of a head coach, but. Uh, Buy or sell the way Tennessee handled the the whole Greg uh, Greg Schiano rejection hiring scenario, whatever you want to call it over there. But would you buy or sell on the way Tennessee went about uh, their business there? Um, You know, this is a touchy subject, obviously, but I'm going to sell the way Tennessee went about it because it was very unprofessional. You need to have your thumb on the pulse of the fan base a little bit more than they did 
because this outrage, this ire didn't happen overnight. Obviously, this is the way people felt. I also have a problem with a fan base making a retro, make, forcing a athletic department into retroactively taking a contract off the table. Now, we yeah. are talking about a man with very serious allegations against his name. We're also talking about a man who was never convicted of anything. You have to take all these things into account. There's a lot of moving parts. Greg Schiano being linked to what he was at Penn State is not good. It's not a good thing, but we're not talking about missing out on John Gruden. We're not talking about missing out on Bear Bryant. We're talking about missing out on Greg Schiano. And just the way this thing was blown up, it started feeling like, and again, I'm towing the line here, but it started feeling like a mainstream news story It start, where, where outrage is propelling the narrative. Hmm. And we're, we're in such an age when it comes to news and politics of recreational outrage. And the allegations here are of the utmost seriousness. Don't get me wrong uh, on what he was linked to at Penn State. But outrage cannot force your hand. Outrage cannot make you make the decision. Should the Tennessee brass have been more aware of what was going to happen if you did put this contract on the table? Yes. But once you put the contract on the table, you wear it. I, that's that's I, my thoughts on it, I guess. I'm totally with you. And I, honestly, I, I know what the, the allegations and all that stuff against him at Penn State. I also know he's never you know convicted or their people testified on his behalf you know under oath in favor of him all that stuff whatever Mm -hmm. i I honestly think this was tennessee fans the fan base thought it was going to be john gruden it wasn't john gruden it was a name that was you know a little bit controversial and something you get mad at this opportunity then let me take this opportunity to cut you off tennessee fans you stupid john gruden is not coaching again I, I'm I, Joe. I'm not disagreeing here, but I I think that's what this was. I think ten, the Tennessee fan base had very high, unrealistic expectations that their next head coach was going to be John Gruden. I think their athletic department led them on a little bit, and that never really shot down or did anything to deny the fact that might be happening. And yeah. then they went ahead and, and hired or supposedly offered whatever Greg Schiano, and that leaked, and people got really upset that it wasn't John Gruden, and they they attacked a lot of the things that you know about Shiano's past which again if, if true are, are awful but they've also never been proven to be true and they've it, it, they, they've been proven not to be true enough for Urban Meyer to want to hire him for him to get an NFL head coaching job so mm-hmm. it's not like this is the first time he's going out and getting or looking for a new job yeah. um, I, I, I think this is a good move for Tennessee and not hiring him is going to be good for their program. I don't think he's a, a great big time head coach, but at the same time, the, the way that this was handled, if you're a if you're a head coach in Canada, young up and comer, why would you really consider Tennessee when their fan base clearly controls what's going on? They're not the athletic department, the new athletic director. Basically, yeah. just let the fans tell them what their hire is going to be or not be. Yeah, not not a great look um, for Tennessee as a whole. There. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. All right, Matt. Buy or sell. Uh, where am I here? Okay, buy or sell. Uh, there's some NBA meetings about to happen, and they're going to talk about the possibility of getting the one-and-done rule out. I think uh, what a lot of people are talking about is having the option to leave directly from high school, and then from there, you would either have to have two or three years of college basketball experience. So you'd have the option coming out of high school, buy or sell, getting rid of the one-and-done one, or ton, one, one and done rule. Excuse me. I mean, I, I 
selfishly, I love it. I love what the one and done rule does for college basketball for that you know one year because it just it brings a lot more talent to college basketball than there really was in the past. Mm-hmm. But I think for these kids, like you're watching Marvin Bagley play at Duke right now, and he's grabbing thirty points, fifteen rebounds a game. Like there, there's no real reason for him to be in college basketball right now. Yeah, and I don't think it's really good for a lot of these kids. Um, so, so I think it's, it's better for the kids, probably better for the game, especially better for the pro game. We just get them in there now rather than trying to get them into college for, you know, f- forcing them to go there for one year, not mm-hmm. really take, you know, classes seriously, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I just, I don't really see the positives in it other than the fact that it makes college basketball a little bit more exciting to have those names in it, but college basketball beach is fine. And I think we've seen plenty of examples in the past of, of high schoolers coming to the league that worked out just fine. Matt, I get what you're saying there, but the only retort on that, I guess just kind of the flip side of that coin for me, is that you're seeing a lot of guys in the NBA who had that one year of college basketball, and not even that has them prepared to play at that elite professional level. You're going to have a lot of guys who think they're ready, and then you're going to have a lot of babysitting being done in the NBA because you're seeing guys that still need time to grow. You're seeing rookies that aren't ready and thought they were ready and probably would have gone out of high school if they had that option. The LeBron Jameses are few and far between. He was prodigy level ready out of high school. That doesn't happen that often. No, I agree. But at the same time, I don't think this one year is doing that much. One year in college, that is doing much for these Mm -hmm. guys. Because like Mm -hmm. you said, they're, they're coming into the pros still not ready. And yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to change. If you still have this one and done rule exacted, you have this pick a name, whatever in college who's being told like, oh, you sh- you could have gone after high school. You should absolutely leave after freshman year. And then they get to the pros. They're not ready yet. They're always going to have those guys in their ear and they're always going to go because the NBA pretty much just drafts on potential. They don't really draft on as they should, because the proven college player rarely ever turns out to be the NBA superstar. But potential takes a little bit of time to grow and you might as well just get it into the NBA, whether it's a year too early, get it ready, get it developing, because the only way you're going to get used to NBA basketball, get up to speed with NBA basketball is by playing NBA basketball because college is a different game. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And um, I think that, yeah, that this is, this is going to be a lot of the points that are brought to the table when trying to figure out what the proper way to approach it is. I'd be very, I'd be very in favor of the two year. If you, if you go, you got to be there for freshman, sophomore. I think that's tough, though, because if you're giving guys, I think that puts more pressure on guys to make that decision out of high school as a 17, 18 year old. If not, I got a two year, three year sentence at this school. And not to call education a sentence. <laughs> I was going to stop. <laughs> I guess that's fun. exactly what I just did. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I kind of get what you're saying. But I think if you're going to go, you might as well stay for, for a couple years, because I yeah. do think a lot of these these one and dones are getting rushed into the league. And I think. One year in college isn't going to do much, but two years in a program where you get to grow up a little bit more might have a little bit more of an effect, at least mentally in terms of you know where you are learning, growing up, how to be an adult, all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm not sure one year really does much for you. Mm-hmm. But having that full year of classes, responsibility, all that stuff where you actually know like, hey, I need to go to class. I need to pass tests because I, I have yeah. to come back here next year. I have to still be eligible. I think that helps with the accountability factor of a, of a young that's man. a good point that's a good point thank you joe all right Matt, that's very nice one more Hit me. <laughs> all right um sam darnold denying that he'd stay at usc to avoid the browns buy or sell joe sam darnold should stay at usc to avoid the browns 
Um, I buy that. Any way you can avoid the Browns because I don't care who you are, how good you are. It's about the situation you go into, and the Browns are still not a team that is ready to groom a quarterback. I love this move by Sam Darnold. The leak the news, then deny the news move is so pro. I love it because you're already getting out in front of it, letting the Browns brass know that someone around you knows the way you feel and has linked has linked you to this sort of feeling, you know, leak, leak this news, let them know. I want no part of them. And it's going to be bad news. If you draft me and then deny it, that's good stuff. I am by Darnold. I totally agree with you. And I think if the Browns get that first pick, he should stay. And I I get this quarterback draft is, you know, supposed to be, if Darnold goes, even if he doesn't, Josh Rosen looks like he might be, you know, the next NFL star as well. Mm -hmm. I get this quarterback draft supposed to be loaded and all that, but, the Browns did just take Deshaun Kaiser in a second round. While he hasn't looked great, he's one of those guys like Trubisky, like uh, Jared Goff last year, who was basically said like, hey, he probably shouldn't start his first year. He's not going to be ready. He needs a little bit of time to, to grow. And they just kind of threw him in there, forced him in early. I don't think he's a guy that you should quit on right away. Mm-hmm. Because he, I mean, this is a little bit of a personal bias because he's a Notre Dame guy and, and all that. And uh, he's been so good to our, our, our friends over at the Wish Forever Foundation, all that stuff. But I, I don't think he's a guy that you want to give up on just yet because he is one. He was seen as one of those projects, and now all of a sudden that they decided to play him early. Well, he's not a project anymore. We've seen what he can do. He's done. He's terrible. I, I, I've seen flashes from him. I've seen throws he's made in college to know that with some work, I, I think he's not worth giving up on just yet. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for the Browns to – enter with a plan and then completely abort the plan. That would be very Browns. That would be very Browns of them. But I do agree with you that if you're going to take on a project, you have to be ready for at least be ready to ride the project out. You got to give the kid a three year leash because that's if if you're not giving him that. And if you're not putting pieces around him to win, then you failed, not him. Speaking of uh, Deshaun Kaiser, I just touched on a little bit, but they're doing their cleats for a cause in the uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL this weekend and I believe I saw an article that his his cause is the Andrew Wisher Foundation all that with his spike so that that'll be yeah very exciting to see those the continued uh, support from Deshaun is you know you can't say enough about it for for shedding a national light both at the draft and this weekend mm-hmm. on the on the Andrew Wisher Foundation um, plugging it right now because we're on the topic go get your tickets if you haven't yet for Wishfest, Third Eye Blind is going to be playing. It's going to be the party of the year. I know a number of Chicago personalities have already supported it on Twitter, online. Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky putting out a tweet. Schwarbino putting out a tweet. So it, it's just to see the way this thing has grown in the last few years, um, it really it, it brings a point of pride to myself and I know to everyone else that knew Andrew and, and Andrew's family just to see what they're doing is on such a grand scale now. It's it, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I don't know if you saw it too, Joe, but some of the some of the merch that they're going to be selling at Wishfest. Good stuff. It's some good stuff. I, <laughs> I might I, I might spend a little more. Maybe do a little Christmas shopping. You're gonna have to double up. There you go. You yeah. got to figure it out now. Maybe we'll do a little so, Christmas shopping over. They got some good stuff. So go get those tickets. I believe it's Wish the number four ever dot org. Mm-hmm. I believe it is this the Friday, proper URL there. Friday it's, night, yeah, December first. Friday, 1st, December first. Bourbon be Street, Marionette Park. This will, it's, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. All right, Matter. Well, do we have anything in the mailbag this week? Oh, no, I don't think so. Nothing in the mailbag? You know, I, I forgot to check it. So is that, is that on you or is that on the Bruce and Runes list? That's more me. I'll wear that. Um, okay. That's, that's probably okay. me. Unless you, you, well, got, you got a mailbag type question no, I got, you want to ask. I, I got nothing. 
I got nothing. Okay. Matt, I'm mush right now. I got nothing. There was a mailbag tweet saying how, how much better my, my Thanksgiving plate was than yours, but other than that, that's about it. Did you start another Twitter and then tweet that at yourself? Because that's a joke. Nope. Yeah, okay. Wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, nonetheless, Moose and Runes listeners, we appreciate you. We love you. That's on Matt. We'll get, we'll get him on the hook here. I'll wear that. That's us, on me. Continue to send us those mailbag questions. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. It's always a good time to sit here on the Moose and Runes podcast, talk about your topics, have a little fun with it. Uh, Matthew, you got anything for the people before I shut us down? No, why don't, you, uh, why don't you just take it? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, little negative note. We're going we're gonna to send it out on here. I'm just sick and tired of uh, hearing this story every year. And uh, Derek Rose uh, taking a leave of absence from the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is now the second time he's done this. He did it to the New York Knicks, just pulls his disappearing act, uh, continues to collect checks, and not bring anything to his team. I want to send a message to Derek Rose. I don't know if he listens to the podcast Definitely or not. Definitely does. How could he not? But you have not been a star for six to seven years. Uh, reports are that he's having trouble coming to terms with his continued injury issues. Well, buddy, if you haven't come to terms with them by now, you never are going to. Derrick Rose continues to cash NBA checks. He continues to cash Adidas checks, and he continues to play the victim. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. What Derrick did during his prime, during his great years with the Bulls, will never be forgotten by the Bulls faithful, but he's also giving us a lot to not like him about. He's also giving us a lot. He, he He's always felt to me like he wants our pity. And, and to be honest, I pitied him for a little while. And I know a lot of fans felt bad for him for a while because of what happened to him and because of a career that was cut short or a career that never flourished in what it was supposed to be. He was an MVP. He was a great, but it didn't have any lasting power. And for him to continue to crowdsource pity is something that I can no longer stand. I'm done with Derrick Rose. I've been done with Derrick Rose, but I can't continue to watch him crowdsource pity and, and try and and try and pull us back in because it's just not working for me. Well said. Matt, that's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast. Episode 31 will be coming at you next week with episode 32. Hopefully something positive to talk about. Bears 49ers. If you can't get a win there, just cancel the damn podcast, Matt. Oh, we shouldn't do that. But I know. The people need us. We'll cancel the season. Cancel the season. All yeah. right. Shut her down. Shut her down. <laughs> See you All right, Matt. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you to the Moose and Runes listeners. That's going to do it for us here at the Moose and Runes podcast. Have a great week, everyone. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.